Welcome into the September 22nd episode of the Locked On These Podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. We heard from players, coaches, and management yesterday at Leafs Media Day. We'll break down what we thought were the best talking points from them throughout the day. And we also get a formal look at the camp roster as it all begins. All that and more coming up on today's edition of Locked On Leafs. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. Joining me is my co-host, Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also writer for the NHLPA. Locked On Leafs is a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast, so be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also now catch us up for free on YouTube. Uh, just go to the YouTube tab, search up Locked On Leafs if you haven't already, and uh, please hit subscribe, leave comments down below. We love to uh, listen to all your comments, read them all, respond to them. So all that would be greatly appreciated. Um, Dave, uh, we are officially now into camp. Yesterday, we're talking about the start of camp and, you know, media day and all that. Well, today they finally get on the ice and camp uh, will officially begin for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, why don't we take a look at the camp roster before we kind of go anywhere? Just take a look at the official camp roster so everyone can kind of see what we got cooking here. Um, so if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the entire roster, training camp roster that was announced by the team. Um, there's a bunch of names here, so I'm not going to talk about everybody. But I am curious, Dave, if you could point to maybe one player who is either fighting for a spot or a newcomer. How about a newcomer um, who's going to be at camp that you're kind of most excited to see what they're all about, whether that's a prospect or a free agent of some kind? Well, one thing, uh, I guess Alex Steves technically wasn't in camp last year, and he's coming off. We talked about him and what he did at the Prospects Tournament. He's a guy there that I'm, I'm pretty curious to see how he does um other than that like there are some names i was just like hmm do you have no idea who this guy is like who i'm curious which name you've never heard of here is it uh refi marshall because i'm with you on that one yeah that had no idea this guy existed graham slaggart is not a name that i was familiar with until today Yep, he was another one. Um, uh, everybody else, I believe, yeah. was familiar to me. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty much just those two guys where I was like, that's a new name. That's not a name I haven't read before. But, I mean, hey, that doesn't mean anything. That just means that they've been overlooked a little bit. And now they're getting their opportunity. Who knows? Maybe they'll come out, show out in camp, and try and earn themselves uh, either a, a, an NHL roster spot, obviously, but potentially a shot to earn himself an AHL roster spot as well. So, you know, good on those guys for at least getting the looks and the opportunities to join an NHL camp. Uh, for me, one of the names who I'm excited to to get a look at here in camp is going to actually be uh, Nicholas Abe-Kubel. 
Um, you know, newcomer for the Toronto Maple Leafs, signed a one-year, $1 million contract, coming off of a Stanley Cup victory with the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, I, I, I think that he's going to have an impactful season. I don't think that it's going to be quite the Michael Bunting level value signing, but I think this has a potential to, you know, age much to the likes of maybe David Camp's uh, contract that he signed a year ago, right? Like David Camp, you wouldn't sit there and say, this is an absolute bargain. They hit a home run in the way that you do with the Michael Bunting contract, but you do know, hey, this is a terrific signing. He does the job. And yeah, you, you got him for a little bit of a bargain. I feel like Abe Kubel has an opportunity to live up to those types of expectations. And that's a player who I can't wait to see hit the ice, uh, you know, over the, over the next couple of weeks and see what he's all about when given a, a bigger opportunity uh, with the Maple Leafs than he had been given previously with the Flyers and Avalanche organizations. Yeah. He, the, the you know, somebody that just came from, you know, Stanley Cup champion, you give a little bit of cachet to somebody who's been through the stretch run like that. He He's uh, also someone I want to see if he can provide a little bit of versatility to the lineup, right? Ely McKay, we lost that, like, speed factor, especially, you know, on the penalty kill. That's where I'm kind of hoping he fills that gap. Um, yeah, he's, he's you know, I, I, I don't know if I want to put – massive expectation and expecting him to all of a sudden be, as you said, like we don't expect him to be a Michael Bunting. He doesn't necessarily need to be a Michael Bunting. So I prefer to keep the expectations low for him. And then if he surpasses them, it's a bonus, right? That's pretty much where I'm at. Where they say shoot for the clouds, aim on the moon or something like that, or no aim for the clouds and, land on the moon i don't know something like that uh basically under promise over deliver is is uh is another saying that could work uh for that one i mean we'll get a chance to watch fraser minton play against men for the first time really outside of you know a couple of days i guess he was playing with some 23 24 year olds at the rookie prospect tournament but now he'll be able to actually get in there and play against some real guys right he'll be going toe-to-toe in practice with austin matthews with john Tavares, with david camp We'll see what he's able to do. Uh, so that's a name, clearly, the least second-round pick that I'll be interested to to get a look at. And somebody else, interestingly, over the last couple of days that I'm interested to see how their camp goes, Victor Mete is somebody I think has an opportunity here with the injury to Timothy Lilligren to try and seize a role with this club, especially you know knowing that Rasmus Sandin officially did not report to training camp on day one, still could return at some point here, but not there right now. And I think the main benefactor of both of those situations, the Lilligren injury and uh, the, the standoff here between the Leafs and Sandin, I think is going to be Victor Mete. Yeah, he was a curious player because when he first made it to the NHL, I think it was his second season, he was playing over 17 and a half minutes a game, which is pretty significant for a defenseman, especially a 20-year-old who was a fourth-round draft pick. And I just remember he kind of caught a lot of eyes when he made the World Junior Squad for Canada. And it kind of just... 
and then from there it just it just seemed to take a i wouldn't say a nosedive but like it got it stalled it stalled yeah. right like it just kind of stalled and stagnated and you know when when you're 19 years old and you kind of come burst onto the scene as a fourth round pick in your following season and you make the nhl you make the the, the cash at montreal canadians you're expecting okay did we find something here and it just kind of stalled and he never really you know surpassed that third pair role and which is fine like it's there's not a lot of top four defensemen out there like the a lot of teams are still searching to find three or four guys who can play effectively in their top four i mean I don't even know if Toronto has four guys who can effectively do it. They got four guys who will have to do it, but whether or not uh, they are legitimate top four guys remains to be seen. Yeah, Victor Mete, I think, is somebody who certainly will be given every opportunity to show out now with a couple of, uh, well, there's just more minutes available realistically for him to get the looks from from uh, from training camp. We'll hear from Sheldon Keefe. Um, we'll discuss some of the things that Sheldon Keefe was talking about in a little bit, but uh, he did come out and say there's competition out there for some roles. And um, I think that for as long as Rasmus Sandin's, uh, you know, contract standoff goes, he's in competition to earn a, a spot on this roster and on the opening day lineup, potentially as a third pair defenseman. So yeah, he's somebody who I'm definitely excited um, to see what he's all about. Uh, 236 games in the NHL, right? No spring chicken, despite being just 24 years old. Uh, he's been in the NHL since he was 19. He's played a lot of games with both the Montreal Canadiens and the last couple of seasons with the Ottawa Senators, Woodbridge local kid, um, I think that he'll uh, he'll have an opportunity here to kind of make his his presence known in Maple Leafs camp. Uh, was there anybody else you wanted to discuss or did you want to move on to the injury updates here? Uh, no, I not really anybody else that really. Yeah, I, I, I not really anyone here. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I would agree. I think most of these guys were, you know, we're is what we're expecting to happen is probably going to end up happening. Um, all right. Well, in update you on some of the injuries in just a moment, but before we do, let me tell you about betonline.net. It's one of your number one source for all your sports betting uh, needs. Find all the latest player development, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game for every sport that you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport that's out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events including MLB, NHL, MMA, boxing, golf, the NFL, it's got it all. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online. It's where the game starts. Welcome back into the Locked On Lease podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. We're your hosts here uh at Locked On Lease. We're back um 5 days a week now for here until well, the entire season, all the way through the playoffs, even if the Leafs get eliminated, we're still here each and every day providing the good listeners and viewers of this program some good old Leafs and hockey content in general. And there's, there's I mean, there's a lot of news, a lot of stuff to update you guys on today, especially um, with yesterday being media day, the media speaking 
coaches speaking, letting us know exactly what's going on with some of the players. Uh, we did hear that Lilligren was going to be out. We spoke about that on yesterday's podcast at length, uh, but we got an official update, I suppose, on him, Engvall, and a couple other players who are not going to be ready to go for camp. So the official prognosis on Timothy Lilligren, he had uh, hernia surgery um, not too long ago, and he will be out for six weeks. So that's a pretty long time for Timothy Lilligren to be missing. Um, we were expecting him to be out for all of camp. Uh, Darren Dreger said on, on my show, Leafs Lunch, a couple of days ago that he was hearing somewhere between four to six weeks, and that was echoed by um, Sheldon Keefe and uh, Kyle Dubas in the media scrums yesterday. Yeah, it's just it's it's. I mean, it's unfortunate, right? Uh, if you heard Dubis, he said he showed up complaining about some abdominal pain, did some tests, and like, uh oh, looks like you gotta go and get a hernia surgery. Like, yeah, it's just it's it's really it's really unfortunate because Timothy Lilligren has just dealt with some bad luck throughout his hockey career. I don't know if you remember. Part of the reason why he was never taken in the top 10, even though he was touted as a top 10 prospect, because he had mono. Yeah. And that just really impacted his draft year. Like he's dealt he's dealt with some very unlucky situations. And really, anybody can get a hernia. It happens. Yes, it does happen. It's, it is unfortunate. It's not like something where you're going to be worried about this being like a reoccurring injury, right? It's not like an ankle fracture yeah, where it's like, okay, if this could – you know, is it going to happen again? Does it become a little bit more frail and brittle each time that it gets injured? I mean, it's a it's a hernia. It just it happens. You operate on it, and six weeks later, hopefully, he'll be ready to go and he can get up to speed quickly because that's going to be really important for him, um, obviously, and and the team because he's I think going to be an important part of uh, the Maple Leafs this season. So Timothy Lilligren is uh, is one injury that got updated. Pierre Engvall, we knew he was going to be out. Wasn't sure how long or what the injury was. So it looks like it is an ankle slash foot injury, and he'll be reevaluated on October 3rd. So, you know, there's no strict timeline for how long this injury is going to be. Reevaluation. So I guess he's not going to be uh, with the club much, uh, or he's not going to be playing or maybe not practicing either until the third and then he'll be reevaluated and they'll probably have more of a, a hard set date there. But, you know, Engvall's injury means that there's going to be opportunity for some other guys to get looks in that bottom six too. So, you know, glass half full, glass half empty. If we look at the half full, you know, approach to this one, that means that there's some players out there that otherwise maybe wouldn't have gotten a look alongside say a David camp type of player. Um, now there's that opportunity to see if someone else can try and gain some chemistry uh, so that you have another option for that third line role if need be. Yeah. Sheldon Keefe said in his presser that he feels like this is one of those years where he's actually really liked the depth options he has, which is kind of a bit of a like shot at Cal Dubas in a way. Like the depth really hasn't been there in past years, Sheldon. Like, <laughs> I, I just think he means the options available to him. I think like we talked about Zach Aston Reese being one of those guys, even like an Adam Gaudet, Abe Kubel. And then you go lower in the line. We got like a Steve's Nick Robertson, uh, Joey Anderson. Yeah. Dennis Malgan even was brought back. Like there's, there are uh, 
quite a few names that w- if you lose a pure Angval, you're not going to lose your mind that he's going to be missing time. Right. So that was another injury. Um, I guess those are the two main injuries that were updated. Mikhail uh, Abramov, who we knew wasn't ready to go for the rookie tournament, uh, still not ready to go in camp. He's not at camp. He's got a back injury. And then Joseph Wool still battling injuries. Um, he's out with a shoulder injury. So kind of unfortunate for him because I think he was somebody who was hoping to come in, have a healthy camp, and try and establish himself as maybe the third goalie um, on this roster ahead of Shogren. Probably was hoping to try and win that battle as like the next man up um, and, and get those looks in camp and in practice, especially with this newly formed goaltending department. But uh, with that injury, doesn't look like he's going to be able to, uh, to to show up and show off as as early as he wants. There really was no timeline there. It was just kind of uh, he's out with a shoulder injury and not currently in camp. So um, unclear exactly how long he's going to be out, but he is not starting camp with the Maple Leafs. Um, why don't we take one more quick break here, Dave? And when we come back, let's chat a little bit about uh, what we heard today from the players from Kyle Dubas, from Sheldon Keefe, because uh, there were some interesting comments and some interesting quotes that I think a lot of our listeners and viewers uh, would like to be uh, would like to be updated on. So why don't we do that on the other side? Uh, you're listening to the Locked On Leafs podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. You're listening to uh, Locked On Leafs here. Uh, a daily Maple Leaf centric podcast, Monday to Friday. New episodes coming out, uh, audio form, wherever you get your podcast, also via a video on YouTube. Um, where do you want to start here, Dave? You want to start with, with Kyle Dubas? That was kind of the main attraction uh, at Media Day. I would say a lot of people wanted to hear Kyle Dubas speak for a couple of reasons. He's the architect of this squad, and also the fact that he's kind of a lame duck GM going into the final year of his contract. And that was a big topic of conversation in the last 48 hours or so in Leafland, especially after Jonas Siegel put his article out the other day in the athletic. And uh, so he kind of touched on it. Um, what did you make of the comments and what he had to say about going into the season uh, without an extension? I, I think he was saying all the right things. I know some Leafs fans will scoff a little bit at it, but like, it was truthful, right? Uh, he can say whatever he wants to say, but at the end of the day, it's what you see on how the team performs and what happens on the ice that will realistically, that's going to be what determines his future. And I think he was candid about the fact that Brandon Shanahan told him, look, there is an extension for you right now. And rightfully so, because he's had five years and it and it hasn't gone the way that it was planned to go out. So, yeah, I think the there was a lot of honesty there, and there was a there was a question posed about Sheldon Keefe. I don't know if you caught wind of this one, where somebody had the gall to bring up that Keefe was one of the top odds betting odds. So he was like our friends at Bet Online had Sheldon Keefe as the top coach, the shortest odds to get fired first at 13 to two. Our guys at that online made that post uh, and made those odds here on, uh, on bet online. 
but to ask, but not only to ask that question, but to bring up those specific numbers. And I love Dubas's response to that. Like, why should I care about betting odds when it comes to whether my coach is going to get fired? Like that was just, I'm you and I have done some pretty good things with gambling and we like to venture out on that, but I ain't going to be the one to bring it up in a press conference or bring it up to a player or a GM. So yeah. first off that, like let's cut that for any future press conferences going forward. Dude, some of the stuff that, that people ask in these scrums, not just in Toronto, but like all across the, oh, yeah. the, the league, all across the world. doesn't matter. It could be a, a political news scrum, uh, a, a football scrum, a hockey scrum, a basketball scrum, whatever it may be. Um, people ask stupid questions all the time yeah. and, and, and questions where it's like, I don't know if that was really all that. Remember the one that uh, I can't remember his name. Um, was it the one in Colorado after they got eliminated? Oh, well, it was uh, uh, date. Oh, uh, Dater, Dater, Adrian Dater. Yes, Adrian, Adrian Dater. Yeah, he literally, and, he literally just goes with an f bomb in the middle of the question, like just drops an f bomb. Like, do you just sit there and just say like we got an f in this? But like, yeah, to Nate McKinnon, he just went like, what? <laughs> what did you really just ask me that question? Like. Uh, I love the montage that they always ask. And I mean, the one famous here in Phil, right? Where he's like, this guy's such an idiot here after, uh, after the question. Um, that's, that's my guy, Dave Festchuk that, that asked the, the cue that uh, elicited that response. Uh, but that's obviously a famous one here with the Toronto Maple Leafs. But um, yeah, that, that was a, a bizarre question, but I mean, it's, I don't know. People are looking for content on, on day one of camp, just trying to see if they can pull something. Um, so outside of though, like talking about him going into the final year, being okay with it uh, said, you know, hopefully I get judged for my entire tenure here with Toronto, as opposed to just this one season. And what we and I, you know, you and I both know it's not really this season. It's the two week segment in mid-April that really is going to be where he is judged and potentially riding on whether or not he gets an extension in the future or not. We, I think we all actually know that. It's, uh, it's like, Doobie, no one's going to be thinking about those five years. It's those two weeks in April of 2023 that will actually decide your fate, unfortunately. And, you know, we all know that to be true. Um, but he also said that it, there's a wide open competition in net. Uh, it's not the first time that he has said this. He did say it after free agent frenzy. And I wasn't sure how much I believed it at the time, just based on the fact that, you know, they're paying Matt Murray 4.8. He's got an extra year on his deal. I know they traded for it. That's probably not what they would have given him in free agency or certainly wouldn't have been what they had given him free agency, but they only gave Samsonov a one-year deal at 1.8 million. So I thought just based on how the contract sets up, Probably like it'll be a tandem, but it'll be closer to the tandem we saw last year. Where it's like, okay, Jack's the one A, but Mrazic will play a bunch of games too, right? Where I thought this year, same thing. Murray, health provided, will be the one A, and Simsonov will play a bunch of games. Based on how Dubas talks about and continues to talk about the open competition in net. I think that Dubas believes that's he believes in Samsonov and he believes that, you know, it's it's not a one A, one B scenario. He's got two one A's in his mind. And 
it's going to be kind of a ride with the hot hand type of situation here in Toronto. That very well could mean that Simsonov gets more playing time than, than Matt Murray. Did you get that impression? I did. No, I definitely did. I think like, let's not forget that Matt Murray's always had injury problems. Uh, do was made sure to say that he came in with a clean bill of health. And that was important for that, not just them, but also for Matt Murray. But yeah, Sam Sonov, was a starter or at least was playing a lot of games in Washington, right? This isn't a guy that was, you know, a backup and really can you expect him to, you know, this is, this is his opportunity to kind of reset his value after taking that one year deal. So I think you want to make sure that you've got a motivated Samsonov as well. You don't want to say this is Matt Murray's net. There's not much Samsonov can do to change that because really also Matt Murray doesn't have the track record over the last few years to say I'm deserving of a starting job right now, too. So I do like that they're not just handing Matt Murray that just because, you know, we know the connection with Dubas and Murray. We know. No, Keith, oh, Keith was there with the Sioux as well with Murray, right? Exactly. So I, I like the fact that, you know, Samsonov is not an afterthought to them and Really, even when Jack Campbell was here, we never really heard them say Jack is the undisputed number one starter. It was always, we're going to see how the rotation works out and the better player is going to play. Obviously, Peter Mrazek did not play well enough to take starts away from Campbell. But I think you're this situation right here. Yeah. So, like, there's, there's a real good possibility that we see. And this is why when I presented the question during our cosine no sign of whether or not we see Matt Murray play a certain number of games or we see Sam Sona play more games. It's because I legitimately think this is more of a timeshare than maybe others are maybe have thought about yeah. the way that they've decided that this is not going to be putting that pressure on Matt Murray and we, and Matt Murray, even when he was in Pittsburgh, he had Mark Andre Fleury, right? He wasn't, he was the starter in the playoffs when they went on those runs, but he didn't do it by himself to get them there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, like, it, it makes sense. It does make a lot of sense, and I'm starting to subscribe to that a lot more, right, where I think it, a legitimate open competition and wouldn't be shocked if Simsonov ends up running away with it. I'm just looking at his numbers, um, you know, over the course of the last – a bunch of seasons, even if you look into his when he was playing in the KHL, right? So the last three years, last season didn't go well with Washington, right? 302 goals against an 896 save percentage. There was, uh, I believe there was a, there was like some team issues going on. Wasn't there like COVID, like they were breaking COVID rules and they got suspended for four games. And yeah, so like there was some stuff going on with, with Washington last year. Um, so, you know, not, not a very great season the year before as well. COVID, uh, was, was a problem all around the NHL only ended up getting into 19 games that year. And he had a 269 goals against and a 902 save percentage, but his rookie season, very good. 26 games, got his feet pretty darn wet. Um, wasn't quite knee deep, but definitely, you know, mid shin deep into, uh, into the, uh, the NHL at uh, 255 goals against a 913 save percentage in his first season in the NHL at what would that have been 22 years old or so. So, you know, there's a successful goalie that's in there. And even look at the 
KHL numbers before he got before he got to the NHL, a 9.26 save percentage, a 9.36 save percentage, and a 9.25 save percentage. His final three seasons in the NHL, all three years, also um, sub 2.3. It was a, a 2.13 goals against, a 2.04, and a 2.31 goals against average. Um, so you know there is a track record of him having success in pro hockey. Can he refine his game? Can he get that motivation back? And he's at that age where goalies kind of start to make a break, right? Like they develop a little bit later, but you know, mid to late 20s is when you start to figure it out, right? He's at that point. He's been given an opportunity. He took a one-year deal because he wanted to try and um reset his own market for next season, which again, he will be an RFA. So the Maple Leafs will get first crack at at Simpson off if he ends up having a good season. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked if he does end up becoming the guy in Toronto. Would not be shocked one bit. All right, quickly also, um, Sheldon Keith spoke as well. Uh, what stood out to you about Sheldon Keith's media availability today? Honestly, it wasn't really that much in particular. I think, you know, he he kind of he he does he didn't want he he was saying like you know we expect to be a top team again which i mean that's kind of where i you would expect the leafs to be other than that like there wasn't i felt like after duba spoke it kind of was a bit of a letdown in terms of what was said i i mentioned the part about the depth i think he liked the versatility that they have there um, I think, you know, he had some good things to say about Samsonov and the talent in net, which I, I'm, no, maybe they're recognizing that more so than in past years. I think they felt like there was a bit of unknowns. Um, but I think maybe this talk about the second line, Nylander and Tavares, right? Saying that, you know what? There could be a possibility where they split them, uh, where they split them up again. I'm like, oh, we're back at this again. <laughs> like, Sheldon. See, we're, yeah, we're on opposite ends of that, though, because I actually don't think that's an awful idea. It's not an awful idea because if you can spread out the, the, the scoring, it does make a difference. I mean, there are teams who, no, I can't remember how Colorado lined things up. But, yeah, I wouldn't mind if there's more options outside of the top top six and i think the bottom six doesn't have a lot of the offensive talent that you'd like to see so i wouldn't hate that i just also think that like if you need to have Tavares and neilander play together they got to figure it out that, that's got to be one of sheldon keeps things where he's got to figure out why they're not jamming together right if it if his ultimately decision is to have them apart i'm okay with that as long as it doesn't impact their production right because they need to be producers that's what they're paid to do i'm just going to see what his numbers were at this year with um was it last season just gonna look up the last season's numbers with uh with timothy lilligren and and how that kind of went with john Tavares. if i can you know work my computer the way it's supposed to work but 
it's been a bit of a, a, a weird computer day for this one. Not really doing what it's told. Anyways, we'll see if that uh, that screen loads for me. But um, yeah, I, I think that it's it's interesting that that was kind of a a conversation that I was having earlier today on Leafs Lunch also with with Kevin McGran and also um, Mark Masters, where uh, my co-host Julia straight up asked, like, do you feel like he's married to the Tavares Nylander line or could you see a similar situation last year where, you know, these guys just for whatever reason aren't meshing and they switch them up and they said, no, we think that is very possible. Like they, they believe that it's going to start, they're going to try it and and hopefully they can rekindle some magic and try and, you know, get some spark. But if not, doesn't sound like it, there's a very long leash with, with those guys. And they played better when they were apart realistically last season, like, at times, at the very least, the issue with them wasn't necessarily like, yes, the, the lack of offensive production w- wasn't terrific last year, obviously, but a, a really big problem for them was the uh, the on ice production in terms of goals when they were on the ice together, like their goal for percentage. They were on the ice for more goals against than when they were not on his or for when they scored goals themselves. I don't know why I couldn't get that out. Anyways, they scored 35 goals together out there on the ice. Now that my page is loaded and they were scored on 43 times against them. So only 44% of the goals that were scored when they were on the ice were themselves. So that's not, that was the big issue for them. It was more so their defensive zone play. They were getting shelled and getting scored on consistently um, on top of them not really being able to get going and find offense at five on five. So I, I see the arguments. I know why they want to go away, away from it, um, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens because the expected numbers were okay, right? Like their, their Corsi percentage together was, was 54% of the shot share was in favor of them when they were uh, together out there on the ice. Um, they had more shots on goal. They ended up with, uh, you know, 55% expected goal for percentage, but the actual numbers weren't very pretty. So um, we'll see if maybe that was just bad puck luck. And this year, a healthy off season for John Tavares, maybe he's a little bit quicker and nimble on those feet and uh, we can have a better, a better season out of both those two together. But if not, Sounds like there might be a bit of a quick hook and a couple of names that got dropped today by Sheldon Keith that um, could be vying for a second line role um, with up that, you know, kind of that left wing spot being up for grabs. Obviously, Kerfoot will be in the mix. He did name drop Callie Yarncroke as another potential player who uh, has an opportunity to get a look there. Nicholas Abe Kubel was also named as a player who might be able to get a look, someone who Again, plays a little bit of a um, north-south Zach Hyman-esque game. He's got some speed. Um, he can go and crash into the boards and separate pucks, be first man in on the forecheck potentially, and get the pucks for Willie and, and John Tavares. And maybe that's why he believes that Abe Kubel could be a fit for them, just mainly based on uh, his play type as opposed to the skill level. Uh, and then, obviously, I think Robertson also is going to have an opportunity with uh with that line potentially but yeah it's the the middle six is going to be fascinating we know the top line's going to remain the same bunting matthews marner they're gonna 
put up points in bunches. But what does the middle six look like? That's probably the main thing that I'm going to be watching closely as camp starts up over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, because we know that it was an it wasn't great at times during the season and the playoffs. It, it, like you, 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 there was a really uh, a drop off when you looked at the top line and the second and third line in terms of production. So that that can't. That's probably if, if there's one thing that has to be. If you go into the season, that's going to be another problem again. That's where I think you have to consider the trade market. What's going to be the like that might have to be where the solution comes from, but. Yeah, they can't go into the playoffs with those question marks of who's going to produce outside of that top line because we know that whoever they're going to play in the playoffs is going to try to shut down or at least limit the opportunities for that top line. Exactly. Uh, But, yeah, over the next couple of days, these guys will be hitting the ice for some conditioning and uh, everyone's favorite, uh, the the conditioning drills. I was talking with Michael Bunting today and he said, yeah, the on-ice conditioning is definitely the worst part of camp. But once it's over, then uh, the the fun stuff begins. So they're almost past uh, the medicals and the conditioning and then they can hit the ice and start practicing and then games start on Saturday, buddy. We got to split double header split squad game uh, against the Ottawa Senators on Saturday. So the game's going to come quick and they're going to come often over the next couple of weeks. And we here at Locked on Leafs will have you covered, but that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You could subscribe to the Locked on Leafs podcast on all podcast platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti. Follow the show at Locked on Leafs. And go ahead, leave a like and a comment uh, down below if you enjoyed what you had to hear today or if you have something you want to challenge us on. Let us know in the comments down below, and we can have a chat about it. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes, we would ask you to please, if you would and could, to write a review, give us a, a rating, um, hopefully five stars. Uh, would be terrific. Um, that would be great. Helps uh, helps us, helps with the algorithm and other Leaf fans to find this content when they're searching for it on uh, on iTunes and you know technology and stuff. So that would be great if you could do that as well. Uh, we'll be back with another episode tomorrow for you, ladies and gentlemen. But until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.